0: Welcome to I'm Fine You, brought to you by Maybelline New York, where we are normalizing the conversation around anxiety, depression, and mental health. Now, here's your host, Chrissy Rutherford.
1: Hi, and welcome to season two of I'm Fine You, presented by Maybelline New York. Maybelline's Brave Together initiative is dedicated to breaking the stigma around anxiety and depression while addressing challenges and providing resources to those in need. Hi, I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and on this podcast, we're channeling this mission into real-life conversations to help normalize talking about our mental health and provide guidance and resources to those who may be struggling or know someone who is. Today, I'm so excited to talk to Maybelline's global brand president, Trisha Ayagari. Not only is Trisha a leader in the cosmetics industry, but she is also a passionate mental health advocate. Today, we'll talk about her personal journey and why Maybelline New York is so dedicated to destigmatizing mental health. Welcome, Tricia.
0: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
1: So I would love for you to kick it off by introducing yourself and tell us what does Maybelline's global brand president do?
0: Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm the global brand president of Maybelline. I've been in the beauty industry for my entire career. Wow. I'm a baby of Maybelline, actually. I started my career at Maybelline and I love the brand so much. And basically what we do within our team is we develop all the products, all the campaigns and all the strategy for the brand on a worldwide level. So I have an amazing team based in New York. And yeah, we're all obsessed with makeup and yeah, we just do the thing every day. So <laughs> so you're responsible for my favorite Maybelline Sky High Mascara? Yes, that is one of our babies that we launched two years ago and it's been a huge success for us. So we're super excited about it. Consumers love it. I know. Thanks to TikTok, I had to go to like at least four stores <laughs> before I could find it. <laughs> That's exciting. I mean, we don't want that to be the case because we're accessible and we believe in being everywhere, but it's still good to know that people are running to buy it because that was definitely a labor of love from my team.
1: So obviously, we know that the conversation around mental health has been growing. And I think a lot of companies talk about it. But Maybelline is so involved in this area in such a real way. So why is this mission so near and dear to Maybelline? Why was it so important for you personally to have Brave Together be a pillar for the brand?
0: Maybelline has always stood for self-confidence. It's been the mission of the brand since inception, like over 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we really believe that self-confidence, of course, can come from how you feel you present yourself on the outside. But it's so much about how you feel on the inside. Maybelline's the number one cosmetics brand in the world. We actually reach over 200 million consumers around the world, which is incredible. And so when you think about that size and scale, it's our responsibility to take care of our consumers and really make sure the self-confidence mission is being handled with the right level of care. And yeah. I think for me, you know, my team in 2017 came to me with these staggering statistics around mental health and how at the time, one out of five people was suffering from anxiety and depression. Now it's one out of four. Mm-hmm. And so the issue is so prevalent. And actually, when you think about the emerging countries in the world and different cultural backgrounds, the statistics are even higher. Yeah. Yeah. So for us, I think the mission of supporting people's mental health and making one-to-one support accessible to everyone worldwide is a very important mission, and it's one that only a brand with our size and scope can really take on. Yeah. And then again, you know, the beauty industry, feeling beautiful on the inside, feeling beautiful on the outside, it might sound like a cliche, but it's a very important thing. And so I think that as a leader in the beauty industry, we are trying to make the conversation as prevalent as possible and make it as normal as possible. I think only a brand of our scope can really actually destigmatize the conversation because we can normalize it across so many platforms. But, you know, in addition, the help part is really important. So the partnership with local NGOs is critical to getting all of these people one-to-one support. And, and that's something that we're continuing to progress on year over year. That's amazing. And I really love how you bring
1: out that. Obviously, as a brand, you're very focused on how people look on the outside. But the inside is also truly important because a lipstick or a new mm-hmm. mascara isn't going to really make a dent when you're struggling with mental health issues. Yeah,
0: exactly. There's something really interesting, too, about that moment in the mirror, right? Like in the morning mm-hmm. when and I so many people talk about this and, you know, we've spoken to so many of our consumers about this, that like moment in the mirror where you're putting on your makeup. It's not really there is, of course, the makeup, but there's also a very important moment where you're looking at yourself and you're telling yourself things. And I think that that moment is such a critical moment in people's day. It's the way you know you're setting your tone for the day. And so I think Maybelline allowing people to be able to have some more support, feel better in that moment, hopefully say better things to themselves when they're looking in the mirror. Yeah. I mean, it's really you know, important. If how we, we could change ourselves. people's conversations with themselves, then I would feel really, really honored. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Actually, my team came to me and started sharing with me a lot about mental health, anxiety, and depression, not only how it impacts them on their day to day lives, but mm-hmm how it manifests, inability to sleep, inability to eat sometimes, inability to speak to your friends, isolation and all of these things. And it struck a very serious chord with me because I myself have gone through a pretty serious stint of anxiety like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because at the time nobody was talking about it. So I didn't know that I was suffering from it. Right, you just thought you were. Having I just thought a like I was time. having a hard time. Yeah, exactly. And I was really beating myself up over it at that time. The fact that I was sad, I was feeling guilty about being sad, and the whole thing manifested into a really difficult time for me. And I was losing sleep, and I was losing weight, and a lot of these different things. And I actually didn't realize this is something that I could have reached out for help on. Yeah. I could have gotten professional support on, and I didn't know that. And and the team was kind of sharing with me the signs of how you identified it. And I was like, I went through that. That's I. <laughs> Experienced exactly that. you have that, like a light bulb you know? moment yeah, where all of a sudden exactly. you're like, wait,
1: that's exactly what I was dealing
0: with. Exactly. And you had no idea. And I didn't know. And then I was thinking to myself, young people around the world are dealing with this and feeling the same way. And I wish I could go back and just give myself a hug and be like, everything is going to be okay. It's going to get better. And so you want to be able to do that for everybody else who's going through it. So when the team brought it to me, it felt like the perfect mission for Maybelline to embark on. And obviously, it's a long journey and it's something that we're going to continue to strive to work towards helping as many people as possible throughout the future of this brand. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we've already made some great progress and I'm just so proud of the team and everybody on my team is so passionate about this subject and we live and breathe trying to support everybody's mental health internally as much as we do externally. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic mission for us. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even from where I
1: stand, I just think it's so incredible to see such And important brands really get involved and really put their money where their mouth is. Because, you know, I do think sometimes we see a lot of lip service around mental health. And I just think it's really incredible that you guys are really in it to help people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we are. And I think that was really our number one goal is don't be public about things until you've actually made some sort of impact. Mm -hmm. And be honest about your journey and the progress that you're making. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Brave Together, the way that we operate is we're in 38 countries now. We partner with local NGOs, and the goal is to partner with those NGOs in order to provide one-to-one support to anybody who's suffering from anxiety and depression, and the support is free. You know, Maybelline stands for accessibility. We're really proud of that, and I think that that's really important for us to make sure that the program also delivers this support accessibly. And so to date, actually, we've supported a million people with their mental health journey, and that's actually much further ahead than where we expect it to be at this time. Which is great that we've been able to support them, but also devastating to see that the subject has become so, the pandemic heightened these issues so much, and it just shows how many people are actually seeking the support, and we have so much further to go. So I'm really proud of where we are, but we're on the journey. Absolutely. (laughs) It's an ongoing
1: journey. It is. It is. For a lot of people, their careers can be a contributing factor to their mental health. You know, you obviously have a very important job. So how do you deal with the stress of your job and how do you take care of your
0: mental health? Well, so I didn't have that balance earlier in my career. And, you know, when I was telling you about my own mental health struggles, that was a time where I was working 24 hours a day. I was like Mm -hmm. there was no break between work and life. Work was my life. Yeah. And so I wasn't really taking care of myself. And, you know, through the years, I learned better how to protect myself more and sort of distinguish the two things. I love my job. I'm really passionate about my job. So working hard for me is part of who I am. Yeah. But I realized I really needed a balance. So I have very strict rules. Like Now I have a baby. So things have changed. <laughs> yeah. So um, we'll, we'll get into that yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And how that and can so, affect mental health. So the baby is my sole reason to run home for from sure. work at a reasonable time every day and just kind of disconnect and be with him. But prior to that, honestly, it was the the gym. I was very much Mm -hmm. like, I'm signing up with classes and they're going to start every day at 6.30 and I have to be there. And I'm one of these people, like, if I pay for a class, I am not missing that class. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) And so, like, every day I would have some sort of class at 6.30 and I'd be like, I need to get out by that time. And it really transformed my work-life balance because I just started to realize things can wait till tomorrow. You know, I didn't feel bogged down by the fact that I had gone to the gym and, oh, I have a million things to do after. Actually, it was just went to the gym, would have a good meal, and then I would go to sleep because you're so tired at that point. For sure. And then the next day I'd be like, okay, well, the work is still manageable and I'm not really falling behind. So I don't know why I was putting this much pressure on myself before, (laughs) you know? And I think that once you establish that too, you realize that people really respect your work-life balance. Mm -hmm. Like I've never been critical of other people and how they manage their work-life balance, but I was so hard on myself. So being able to set that balance for myself, all of a sudden, I was like, nobody's judging me for this. This is in my own head. You set a boundary for (laughs) yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I set a boundary for myself. And people really respect when you set your own boundaries. So I feel like it was a matter of finding a routine that would allow me to focus on myself every day for a certain amount of time. Yeah.
1: And it's so great to just go to a workout class and just get it all is. that like stress it and is.
0: whatever out. And it's all about you for the hour. For the hour. And that, yeah. And I found like I actually used to be obsessed with Soul Cycle. And so I would go to Soul Cycle <laughs> every day. But the reason is because those instructors say so many motivational things. Right. I that know. you're like sitting there and you're jazzing yourself up by like telling yourself exactly what they're saying. They're like, you can do this. You can push. You're amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I'm doing it. Right. You know? And so it's like that moment where you can really focus on yourself. So I, I really appreciate classes like that. That was kind of my way of focusing on myself and getting into a better pattern in my life in general. You know, amazing. Yeah.
1: And in that same vein, how do you make sure that the people that you're working with are also taking care of themselves? Because I'm sure at different points, you've probably seen your team working constantly around the clock. And do you ever feel like you have to step in and be like, you need to go home? Like You
0: need to go to a workout class (laughs) 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 or drag them along with you. Yes, I do see that. So for my team who's listening, please don't work 24 hours a day. No, I think that I've realized so much of, you know, you have a lot more control over your own life and your own balance than anybody else really mm-hmm. can. So what I recognized was that I was walking around and telling people like, you should go home, you should go home, you should go home. And they're like, but you're still here. So why would I, Right. you know, why would I go home? And then they, you know, because everybody's hustlers, my team, they're striving, mm-hmm. you know, so they're like, well, my boss is here. So why would I leave? So Basically, I just realized if I create that balance for myself, then other people are going to just use that as an example and not feel as much pressure. So my hope is that me having a balance and me leaving at a certain time sort of cascades to my team as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And then, you know, my team who runs Brave Together has been an incredible resource in this way. So they've been setting up various points of mental health checkups within our own team we've done a lot of mental health trainings and Mm check-ins and they always send reminders to people on how you can protect your mental health a bit more. So I think, and you know, we have a long ways to go because it's a corporate environment. So it's a lot of work and, and, you know, we work with countries all over the world. So the hours are weird and whatnot. So I think it's, you know, definitely we have to continue to increase the number of things that we do for our own team. But I really do feel like the number one thing that I could do for them is just show them that I'm fine to have a mental health and work life balance for myself. So you need to feel comfortable doing that for yourself as well. You right. Know. You lead by example. And I think that
1: is really important. Because yeah. I do think, especially when you're working in a corporate office and you see that your boss is there till late, yeah. You're kind of like, well, I can't be leaving before my boss. So yeah. they're gonna feel more inclined to, you know, to stay later. So I think that's really incredible that now, you know, you're
0: like, do as I do. Yeah, do as I do. And we have a really like diverse team in terms of lifestyles, ages, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And I, now that I'm a mom, I think I didn't empathize enough with mothers before. I'm I'm being honest because I didn't know what it's like. And now I realize the job does not stop at all. When you get home, you have another job, right? So it's a job you love because it's your family, but Mm -hmm. it's a lot. So at some point, And that goes for anybody. Like for me, it's my child, but a lot of people have different things that they prioritize. It's not like when people go home, all of a sudden it's relaxation, you know? Absolutely. Many people have things that go on after work. So Mm -hmm. it's really even more important to like make a list of your priorities and stick by those priorities to the best of your ability. And congratulations on
1: (laughs) becoming a mom. (laughs) Thank you. How has that changed, you know, how you approach work? And again, like taking care of yourself because i'm sure it's
0: also really it's hard, hard now because you're like it's not about me i'm not the priority yeah it's hard well my sister has two children and a lot of people around me have kids and i have several friends who have suffered from extreme postpartum mm-hmm. anxiety or depression and so i was really nervous that that was going to happen to me i mean yeah. because i've been through it before it's a trigger for many And by the way, it still could really happen because they say that the postpartum effect can last like up to a year. Yeah. So I was so nervous about that that I told my husband and my sister and my mom right away. I was like, please notice the signs of me because I don't know that I'm going to be in a position to notice them in myself. Mm -hmm. And so my mom had to have some moments where she sat me down and was like, you need to relax. Don't put so much pressure on yourself, et cetera. And, you know, my sister was checking in. Like, how are you feeling? Do you feel okay? Yeah. do you feel like you're worried about things at a level that feels uncomfortable for you? Are you sleeping well? Are you eating and yeah. all those things? And so she was doing these check-ins with me. So I think sort of because I was having a baby and I was able to prepare my support network, mm-hmm. I was in a much better situation than I could have been because yeah. I know that this can be a really debilitating thing for a lot of new moms. But yeah, now I've only been back at work for a week, so <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> But mom guilt is real. I definitely have a lot of mom guilt when I'm away from my son. So I have to be kind to myself. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to make sure you are compassionate with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: So for some people, a big part of maintaining mental health and even practicing self-care is having a creative outlet. Like I'm a huge journaler, always have been since really? I was a kid. Yes, I love it. Oh, that's so good. Um, I just like force myself to just write. I don't yeah. need prompts or anything. I just need to just get whatever's in my mind on paper. Do you ever go back and read them? Sometimes, but also it's hard because, like, I will be writing so furiously. Like, yeah. I can't even read it once I go. Yeah, Like, yeah, try yeah. to. That's amazing. Um, but do you have any, like, hobbies or any creative arts that you practice that you feel like helps your mental health or you do
0: for self care? Yeah, I'm obsessed with cooking. Like, that's okay. my new thing. And I, when I say that, I'm not a great cook, but I'm on the road. <laughs> I write. And I love, I'm a huge foodie in general. Like, yeah. my team will make fun of me because they always have snacks. But yeah, I love to cook. And actually, I picked up cooking during the pandemic. So
1: were you one of the banana bread? I was not a banana bread person.
0: I'm Indian. I love spicy food. So like I also love spicy food. I'm Jamaican. Yeah, I love it. So like I love to make curries and things like that. And then I love Italian food. Obviously, who doesn't? So I was definitely trying to perfect the Vodka pasta that was okay. like, you know, yep. But yeah, in general, I picked that up during the pandemic because I spent the first few months of the pandemic in Texas with my family. Oh,
1: nice! I
0: thought I was going for three days, and I ended up there for like four months. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I was like, okay, how do I not go stir crazy? Not seeing anybody and staying indoors, and so it became my outlet. So I was just cooking all the time, and obviously everybody was. It was such a dynamic cooking time yeah. for <laughs> right. so many people. But now I've continued it. So it's been something really great. It's a great thing to do. It's funny because I used to say like, okay, every Monday night is my night. I'm just going to come home and I'm going to cook something that I've never cooked before. Oh. Because I hate Mondays. Mondays are like, to of me, course, they're like a really, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not one of these people who starts it off. Yeah. Like I'm, no. Yeah. I have the yeah. Sunday scaries. <laughs> so I'm Monday is my day. Like I'm going to leave the office on time because I don't want to work late on a Monday. Otherwise mm-hmm. that sets the week on a bad right. tone. And I will make a meal that I love, even if it's just for myself. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like my thing and I I definitely yeah it keeps me it's a relaxation moment yeah yeah I feel like a lot of people say that it's meditative they do I'm kind of stressed out in the kitchen because I was gonna say cooking (laughs) is bad for my mental health like
1: it stresses me (laughs) I I get
0: stressed (laughs) out but when I make something good I feel like it's such an accomplishment that I feel like I've won something that day so (laughs) that's kind of what I do but yeah I'm not one of these people who finds it zen like okay i'm I'm definitely like still not super comfortable with knives and temperatures so I'm, i'm working through it but but I enjoy it. I love it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah,
1: My mom is one of those meditative cooking people. She loves it. She was home from work a few weeks ago and she hates being idle. So every day she was just, she made like an apple pie. She was just making salads and (laughs) cooking constantly. I'm like, are you okay? Like, do you want
0: to take a break? (laughs) I love that. Actually, at the end of my maternity leave, once I've got a rhythm with my son and he started sleeping a little better Mm -hmm. and stuff, I started cooking every day for yeah. me and my husband because before that we were ordering takeout all the time because I mean we weren't yep. sleeping. <laughs> and now that I'm back to work, I haven't really cooked much. And he's like, "I kind of miss you being at home." I'm like, "Yeah, well, yeah, you know, that's no. that's uh, that's not going to happen." So we got to figure it out. <laughs> will you make your Monday nights? Will you make your own baby food? Everybody <laughs> asks about that. I don't know. I I don't know if I can really like take that on. Sounds like a big ordeal, right? I think the organic ones from the store are probably going to be my jam. There, <laughs> there. I'm like a person who's like, make your life easier in whatever way you can sort Uh of thing because work's already a lot and being mom is already hard. So simplify things. You don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations when it comes to that stuff, you know? Yeah. I think also
1: when it comes to the mental health journey, I think community can be so important. And obviously you talked earlier about leaning on your mom and your sister. Do you have other communities that you feel like you connect with that really help you and support you in your mental health journey? Like I'm sure the people you work with probably have become a community for you.
0: Yeah, definitely. So in terms of community, I mean, I have an amazing support network with my family, of course, but I also have a fantastic group of friends in New York. And we all used to live five minutes from one another. So, yeah, that's the best. I know it's the best. (laughs) So, basically, being able to like just have dinner or drink or whatever anytime you're having a tough day and just exchange your feelings, honestly, was a really huge help for me when I, especially when I took on this job because this is such a big job. But now at work, too, the conversation around mental health is just so much more prevalent. Mm -hmm. Like, We all feel so much more comfortable talking about it, and I often have people like just checking in with me to find out if I'm okay. Honestly, I got so many texts and messages from my team when I was out on maternity leave Uh just checking in to see how I was doing. We actually have an on-site therapist who comes in every Tuesday and takes sessions with People from my team, and it's I love that. completely booked up every week. Oh my god, I would absolutely be using that if I worked in your office.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Actually, and she is such a warm, understanding person that I think a lot of people who had never done therapy before, first of all, it was right. their first time to do it with her, and it just encouraged so many people to get a little bit more into therapy and have more of those conversations. So I just, I think now the mental health conversation is just a more comfortable subject. Around us, I still think that there's work to go. It's still not easy to be like, hey, I need a mental health day, so I'm going to take the day off. Right. I mean, it's hard to say that to your boss, I'm sure. Like, it's an intimidating subject. So, we want to make sure that we can break those barriers down and allow everybody to feel more comfortable having that conversation. But I think, you know, we're making progress and that's what matters. Absolutely. I think having a
1: therapist in the office is just so incredible. Yeah, and like, she's incredible. As you said, I'm sure we all know people who are still very resistant to therapy or, you know, are scared to ask for help. And yeah. just knowing that that help kind of comes to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure that's helped so many people in your office. And, and like, you can't like help but be curious. You're like, oh, well, you know, if they're already here, then maybe I might yeah, as well, might just as well talk go. to them. Yeah,
0: exactly. And people have said that it's been life changing for them. Oh, I and love that. Additionally, let's be honest: therapy can be expensive, depending Absolutely. on like you it's know what you know how, what setup you have. It could be really cost prohibitive. So, just again, with our whole mission of making one to one support free, we had to find some way to do that within our own team as well. And I just feel like when my team came to me with this idea, I was like, "This is this is amazing. We have to do it." So. I'm hoping that we can keep making the program even more accessible, but it's honestly a great resource.
1: I hope other companies will take note and (laughs) implement the same resource because I I just I truly think that's incredible. And like, yeah, when I think back to when I had a corporate job, that would have been such a game changer.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of companies now are doing better in finding ways to allow for like moments of relaxation for their employees. And I find that really incredible. And I think we all just need to continue to do that because people who feel mentally well can obviously deliver more in the workplace. Absolutely. They're able to put their best foot forward and that's what we want at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. So I think it's a really critical thing.
1: Yeah. And being able to help set up a system where people can work on themselves and hopefully show up to work as their best selves is really invaluable. It is. It really is. So now let's talk social media because Mm -hmm. social media is another factor that oftentimes can have negative effects on people's mental well-being and how would you describe your use of social media and have you felt impacted by it?
0: Social media is hard. I have to take breaks, to be honest. And I go through periods where I take breaks. So when I was telling you that I was going through a period of anxiety like 10 years ago, that was really bad. It was my dad was really sick. Mm -hmm. um, He had a terminal illness and he passed away. And I was very overwhelmed by just looking at social media all the time and seeing the glossy version of everybody's lives. Of course. And it doesn't mean that I wish badly for anybody, but it's really (laughs) hard to try to focus on your own wellness when you're being surrounded by imagery of people that doesn't necessarily feel like anywhere near where you are. Mm -hmm. So I actually got off social media for months at that time, which was hard for me, but I did it because I needed to have that mental detox. Yeah. And I still have to take breaks from it because it's one of those things where... It's great in some ways because there's so much to learn, especially with my job. Like I can't not be on it, right. you know? Yeah. But choosing carefully who you follow, I think yes, is important. That's a huge one for me. Yeah. I had to really unfollow a lot of people. I was like, even if people are talking about what this person is doing, I don't need to follow them, you know? I hear you if I was (laughs) just cleaning out my follower list yesterday, like it has to be done. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of pressure to say to people, have all this imagery in front of you and then be very strong and confident and don't feel bad and you know, whatever. That's just not reality. Out of sight is out of mind. I really had to like, you know, I (laughs) I talk about
1: this a lot because I think for most of us, and I'll be the first to admit, like I'm spending the majority of my day on social media. It's part of my job. And I don't think that people think enough about how we have created these little digital worlds for ourselves in which we're just constantly being fed all these different images and content. And so Yeah, being able to really curate and make sure that you're seeing content that is not going to feel harmful or not going to constantly have you in this state of comparison is really, really important. It's really important. The second I feel like I'm following someone that's making me feel any type of way, I'm like, I just got to mute this, unfollow,
0: whatever. I agree. And there's also just so much negative news. And I understand that we do need to have awareness of what's going on around us. But yeah. there are limits to how much we can take of negative information. Completely, And the pandemic was a perfect example of mm-hmm. a barrage of negative information yep. all the time. Yep. And so at some point, just turning it off and not listening to it. I think that the one good thing was that everybody was engaging in self-care activities during yes. the pandemic. And so that was one really positive thing because you're focused on that versus focusing on all the negative news around you. You mm-hmm. know, Yeah, turning off but, yeah, the notifications. Turn them off. Yeah. Exactly. And the alerts from the, all the news sources. Exactly. Like, because you need breaks. So for me, it's just about taking breaks and carefully curating what I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Also, let's talk about like experiences of prejudice and marginalization, which can absolutely have adverse impacts on our mental health. And as a woman of color, how would you say you have navigated that in your life and in your career?
0: I have to say, I've been a bit luckier in my professional life I mm-hmm. haven't really experienced these issues in my professional life okay. but of course I have in my personal life yeah and I'm sure that many people can relate when I say like when you've experienced those things in your personal life it is scarring those Absolutely. things don't they don't leave you right you don't forget yeah you don't you forget, don't forget. Them. <laughs> and I think that you know working on being okay with wounds that you may have from facing those issues It's something that I'm still working through, especially, you know, I have a son now who's mixed race, Mm -hmm. obviously. And when I think back on any racism or prejudice that I went through as a child or as a teenager, all you want to do is protect your son from that, right? And looking at your son also brings a lot of those feelings back because you remember those things Mm -hmm. so deeply. Yeah. And so I would just say that for me, it's just about I'm still working through it, but I think it's about the necessary sort of acceptance of those wounds. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's something that I necessarily will heal from, but I do think that it's something that I need to just accept and understand that, unfortunately, no matter how much I try to protect my child Or even myself that it's still going to happen. Right. Right. So it's still going to happen to some extent. And in a way, I've actually gained a lot of strength from that. And now I'm like super proud of my, you know, my background and who I am. And I there are so many people that I can like relate to in the workplace, especially Mm -hmm. and feel so proud of that. We're all here like doing the thing together. Of course. But definitely, I think it's about acceptance. Of the fact that that happened, and you know, we need to move on from it and learn from it, and yeah. it might happen again. And these are just stones, right? You know, these are just also like conversations that you will have to have with yeah. your child and and explain. And he's going to face and understand so many things that I probably would never have gone through myself. I think. The world is becoming so much more accepting in some ways, and there are so many of the right conversations happening. Yes. But there are going to be things that we don't discuss now that are going to be discussed in the next generation. I sure hope so. Um, Yeah, exactly. And, like, so I hope that the world gets much more kind Mm -hmm. by the time that he grows up. But at the same time, he's going to have his own issues to face, and we're just going to have to navigate through them, you know?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, Trisha, this has been such an incredible conversation. I'm so glad that we got to sit down and talk today. But before I let you go, I also just wanted to let you have a moment to send a message to anyone out there who is listening or watching who may be struggling with their mental health or, you know, know someone who is and what's one last message you would like to send to them or just a piece of advice that you would love for them to hear.
0: Yeah. Probably two pieces of advice. The first one is so many other people are going through this. So don't feel alone when you're when you're suffering. And I think that just the knowledge that if you're open about it, you don't even know how much that can impact so many people around you because there are so many people around you who are suffering from the same thing. So I think Give yourself the comfort that you're not alone uh-huh. at all, far from alone. There are so many people around you who can relate and also would be willing to help should you reach out for a hand. Uh-huh. And the second thing I would say is more personal for me because it was a journey for myself, which is forgive yourself for everything. You know, forgive yourself for how you might have reacted or behaved or how you might have gone into isolation or how you might have treated other people when you yourself were in a in a bad place. Yeah. Because that forgiveness, I feel like, is part of the journey. And it was part of my journey, I should say. In overcoming, you know, my anxiety and also not necessarily allowing myself to go back into that state so easily again. Right. Um, or just like adding a whole nother level right. of pressure to it's yourself because pressure. it's like you're struggling and now you feel bad because you yeah, were struggling and exactly. because of yeah, how you may have exactly. reacted. And I think that that's okay. Like you have to forgive yourself. You need to be your number one, the number one champion for yourself. So I think the kinder you are to yourself the more you sort of accept that you went through something Mm -hmm. or that you're going through something and it's okay that you're going through something and it's okay that you can't be your best self, that forgiveness is really critical. I personally feel in sort of moving through this journey and finding your first better day. So that would definitely be my advice. I love that. Yeah. Thank you again, Trisha, for being here. It was such a pleasure to
1: talk to you and hear your story.
0: Such an honor. Thank you so
1: much for having me. I want to give a huge thank you to Trisha for coming on the show today and talking about her mental health journey and Maybelline New York's commitment to helping others with theirs. And remember, we're here to provide access to mental health resources and support to those who need it most. For more information, visit Maybelline.com slash brave together. And don't forget to make sure you're subscribed to I'm fine you. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Chrissy Rutherford, and this has been I'm Fine You, presented by Maybelline New York.